Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to help out real quick and do something nice, make sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by ads can lick mib alls. Boss needs a detailed email after every customer interaction. In years past, I worked at a corporate location for a cell phone company with a big blue globe for the logo. The longer I worked there, there was a noticeable increase in micromanaging occurring due to corporate leadership. So around the holidays, one of these people had the brilliant idea of wanting a detailed email about every single customer interaction that was had. This would cover a list of things that we offered, any customer rejections, and what we did to overcome said objections. For certain items such as insurance, we needed to have three rejections we attempted to overcome. If we only had a single rejection and then moved on with the interaction, we'd get a coaching, which is a typed document about what we did and what we need to do from here on. If we don't correct ourselves immediately, it can lead to disciplinary actions and the likes. Because this email enforcement occurred around the holidays, a time where we happened to be overworked and understaffed as it was already, I convinced my workers to have some fun with the emails. After every interaction, we would go into the break room and hop onto a computer to type up a lengthy email about our interaction. It would end up taking around 10 minutes to write this email if you went slow enough. After enough time, there'd end up being a line to hop onto the computer to type up and send this email, all while there's a line constantly building out front full of customers. We had some irate customers out there, and we just shrug and say, sorry, our management wants an email description of every interaction before we can help the next customer. After the holidays, this practice was eventually stopped, but we definitely got some negative reviews about it. I can only imagine the number of sales we lost out on from people walking in and then walking right back out because our long line of customers, while most of us were in the back, typing up an email to management. If you were forced to do a needless task like this for your boss, would you intentionally take it and drag it out and take your sweet time writing this very important email? Or is something like that just totally tedious? Writing out this detailed email about every single customer? Would you want to just rush right through that? Take your sweet time and let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is by Good Vibe Zone. My CEO was so intent on seeing people at their desks, that's exactly what they did and a bonus end of day exit. The company was about a thousand, three major locations in the US, all office based. CEO would walk around the open plan offices around 8, 10 in the morning, work started at eight, to check people were at their desks. Majority were exempt employees. If they were not, he would send their names to HR to have a word with them. Repeat offenders would be fired. He didn't care if people had kids, families, or appointments. In our out-of-state offices, when they heard he was coming, they would A, all be told to be there by 7.50 a.m., and B, to dress smartly, pants and shirts for the guys, for example, and C, stay at their desks until the all-clear was given. So what did he get for this leadership of fear? No discretionary work. People would start work at 8 a.m. on the dot. At 12 p.m., you could set your watch by it. People would get up and take their full lunch, as they should. They had someone who played piped music to the office from their PC. He thought it created a cool vibe. At 5 o'clock on the dot, the guy would play Closing Time by Semisonic. Everyone would get up and leave. Their laptops would get left on their desks. 
So that's exactly what he got for his leadership. People worked to the rule and did the absolute minimum to get paid. Yeah, I mean, are these employees or is this a daycare? This CEO's walking around like they're making sure everybody's participating in coloring time. Billy, you better get that pack of crayons out. Susie, stop picking your nose and go sit on the drawing mat. If every morning you gotta make sure your employees are there working, you probably didn't hire very good people for their jobs. Our next story is by DM15. Insist on 10% fees? Well, if you say so. Since the $2,600 fiasco, I got a little bit smarter. I'm now able to research and give semi-accurate shipping costs to give really good estimates to people. I'm doing my utmost to keep my fees down. One way I'm doing this is using a bank account I maintain in my birth country, meaning no fees for people who live there, and I can easily refund people. I'm weary of PayPal because I don't really like dealing with their percentages, and the refund carry-on is justifiably complex. But lo and behold, in walks Mr. Admin. Now, I like Mr. Admin. He's actually a really nice guy, and I wanted to make a great impression, as people will go to him if they want security about me. Anywho, he messages me and asks for five high-priced Pokemon promo boxes out of Japan. No worries, I can source it. I then spend around two to three hours chasing the way to the box, organizing and lining up what to get when he puts the transfer through. The malicious compliance starts here. He starts by saying he feels bank transfers aren't as safe as PayPal. I say to each their own, and he states I should just pass their fees on to the customer. But I'm avoiding PayPal because I don't want to charge a base fee. 10%, PayPal's 4.4%, plus the rest to cover my fees. He insists he's absolutely adamant that PayPal is the only way he will pay. So I price everything up, comes to just under 100,000 yen without any fees. First hurdle cleared. I tell him how I'd like him to pay again. He insists PayPal. So I tell him the price is going to be 110,000 yen with my fee. He's happy. I then have a private student come and was AFK for an hour. I come back to see he's changed his mind and he trusts me enough to pay via bank transfer. You can guess where this is going. I tell him the price won't change regardless and double down on the fact that he said I pass all fees onto the customer and that I'd hate to disrespect him by ignoring his advice. After a bit of go-between, he relented and even ended up adding a little more for my time too. Mr. Admin, if you see this, I'll make it up on your next request. Just a cheeky bit of fun. I'll pay it forward next time. PayPal is definitely really nice and really convenient, but they do take a lot of fees. I've done a few things through PayPal, and when you do directly to another person through PayPal, and it's not an insignificant amount of money, you feel kind of bad by the amount of fees PayPal takes. I guess their idea is they're trying to protect you and you'll have the PayPal guarantee and if something goes wrong you'll be able to kind of backtrack on it and go through the whole resolution thing. But let's be real, a lot of it's definitely just PayPal taking a premium. This next story is by Abe30303. Oh, you want my files today? Sure. I was litigating against a large corporation, pro se, in federal civil court. And literally all of my discovery was stuff that the company I was suing had given to me in a lower court. Now, mind you, this is federal court. So since I knew all my evidence for the case had come from that company, I didn't give over the file since they already possessed it. Their attorney tried to get sanctions. Judge told me to just send them the file by the deadline. So, on the last day, 
Literally on the 11th hour, I fully complied with the federal order mandating that I send in my whole discovery package. I sent the 400 pages via email, certified mail, and facsimile. Here's the kicker. I had virtual fax, while the law firm had a traditional fax machine. For those of you who don't understand the implication of this, a traditional fax machine can only hold 150 pages while digital fax service is literally unlimited. Traditional fax machines will throw an error if the machine runs out of paper. Digital fax service will reattempt a delivery until the fax service or machine transmits a code indicating success. And traditional machines, FYI, are slow. Several hours into the next day, I got a call from the opposing counsel asking me to send them the same 150 pages. The law firm had exactly one fax machine. Every time the fax machine ran out of paper, a bored paralegal would stop by, fill the hopper with more paper, and walk away. Problem is that this sitch tied up the machine all day and the firm was left unable to receive inbound faxes until my job was completed. I couldn't stop the faxes because it was the third party fax service that was the problem. I got more calls, increasingly pleading and frantic in tone, and had to explain the situation. Because the fax service was digital and nobody was aware of the limitations physical fax machines had, they didn't put a limit on the number of attempts to resend the fax. Because maybe no one in their right mind will send 400 page faces in this day and age of email. So this law firm literally had no choice but to either shut down their fax line for the few days that it took the fax service to fix their code or pay a paralegal big bucks to do nothing but babysit the fax line and continuously refill the hopper through my 400 page fax. Malicious compliance all the way, baby. Don't piss off a software engineer, because ruinous problems might arise. I mean, in court, if you're given a strict deadline to do something by, waiting till the very last second and then sending it all over probably isn't the worst idea. It's just, if it's impractical like this, I wonder if there is, like, ramifications? Like, I wonder in the eyes of the legal system or that judge, is that violating that deadline? Like, yeah, they tried to send it all, but it was impractical and it didn't all come in at the same time on time. I guess this is why I'm not a lawyer. This next story is by Sarcastic Irony. You didn't follow directions and ask about cash back? Cool, you're getting it in crisp new $1 bills. This is either malicious compliance or pro-revenge, but I feel this is a bit less revenge and more petty. I'm a manager of a beer and wine cafe in a grocery store. In our tills, we start the day with $200 USD, split between ones, fives, tens, and change. Many people use cash in the cafe, and most orders are very small, so it's pretty regular to end the day with maybe $100 extra in cash, or less than the original $200. Because of this, I have a sign on the pin pads that clearly states, please ask before taking cash back. It's made with a white label maker and on a black pin pad. It's very hard to miss. Still, so many customers either ignore it or don't see it and ask for cash back. If it's $20, it's not a big deal, but it asks if you want 20, 30, 40, 50, or 100. I don't often get people asking for $100, but anything more than $20? I most likely don't have the 20s or even 10s to spare, so you're getting it with the brand new unused $1 bills. If you've ever had to count out a stack of new bills, you'll know how difficult it is. I've been in this business long enough to manage well enough and not miscount them. Today, a guy asked for $40. 
I had all of one $20 bill. I told him, next time, you gotta ask. You should have a sign. I just pointed to the label while counting out $21 bills. He also got one $10 bill and two fives. He was nice enough to apologize. I wasn't that mad, but I think he thought I was angrier than I was because he kept apologizing. Oops. Then the lady after him? She was there as I told him about it. She still put on the pin pad for $20 cash back without asking me. She got 10 ones. This isn't the first time I've had to do this. It's pretty much daily and I'm always so happy to point out my sign and give them perfectly new $1 bills. Honestly, as annoying as it is, if these people keep walking up doing this, you might as well just say like, Hi, how you doing? If you want cash back, please ask me first. Probably annoying to get in that habit, but like, probably better than getting repeatedly to that point where they're wanting cash back and you're like, oh, alright, I'll break out the ones again. You know, there's a sign down there you should have read that I didn't point out. Our next story is by Accomplished Week 392 Tried to be honest with Amazon, but they were having none of it. I was telling the story in another form and thought I'd share here. This was a year or two ago when Amazon Fresh was opening up new stores in London. For anyone not familiar with them, you just walk in, take what you want, then walk out. Your Amazon account gets billed as they use cameras and sensors. So I used one in White City after it had just opened. I went in just for the novelty factor and got a few things. I found a couple of pricing errors in my favor, a couple really big pricing errors. I did the decent thing and told Amazon, expecting a thank you, but got a call from an irate call handler insisting I got and was charged the correct amount, and I wasn't overcharged and wasn't due anything back. I repeatedly tried in vain to say, no, you've undercharged me, but she was having none of it. So I gave up. Naturally, after the call, I changed my tube commute for a 5 minute longer route and I went in each day and bought only those items priced wrong. Suffice to say, I have enough toiletries for a few years. Also I'm now sickened by a pricey cheesecake brand and have gone off halloumi cheese. I mean, that's just kinda being savvy, right? Kudos to OP and bless their heart for trying to say, hey, these items are actually underpriced. I'm not nearly as good of a person as OP is because I know if I walked in a place and they've got something labeled for a deal that's just too good, I'm probably walking out with it. And if some Amazon support calls me after the fact, maybe I'd accidentally not get to my phone in time a few times in a row. And our final story of the day is by Taipan821. We did ask for your input. The volunteer fire brigade had a hazard reduction burn. The area to be burnt was some swampy ground at the end of an active airport, but beyond the airport boundary. Attempts were made to include said airport in the planning, but the airport ignored and ignored and ignored the messages, eventually replying with the message, Since this hazard reduction burn is being undertaken outside of airport boundaries, the airport is not going to participate in the planning stage. Right. We finalize the plan, submit the plan and get our fire permit, including restrictions on wind speed. This will be important later. So the day arrives for the burn. We start late in the afternoon, checking wind speed. All good. So we light up. Because of the nature of being a swamp, there's lots of green fuel and easily burning plants. We get some impressive flames, 10 to 20 meters high, and the smoke this small fire is putting out is thick 
acrid and filled with embers. The first visitor is an army Chinook which orbits the fire, the pilot probably having black summer flashbacks. Then we have local police visit, then aviation fire visit. Each visitor, our first officer meets them grinning ear to ear with our fire permit, which we are following to the letter. Now dear reader, the reason everyone suddenly took a vested interest was that while the permit had restrictions on wind speed, it did not list any restrictions on wind direction. And on that day, the airport was downwind with the fire right in the flight path for takeoffs. Well, I know one group of people that are going to be truly affected by this, and that's all the people that are at this airport trying to get flights wherever. Kinda sucks when the airport refuses to take part in planning this thing, and then they end up on the hook with all these people not being able to take off because of the smoke, and they've gotta find out some new way to get those people to their destination. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.